You guys are doing good? Yeah, okay. Good, you're all doing good. Okay, two people answered, so we'll, we'll take that as a group consensus that you're all doing well. So, all right, Psalm 121. If you guys want to turn there or you have your phones or you don't want to turn there, that's fine too. I'll just read it to you. Uh, Psalm 1, 1, 121. Excuse me, 121.1. There we go. Too many numbers there. David says, I lift my eyes to the hills from where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foe, excuse me, let your foot be moved. He will keep you and not you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day and the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep you. You're going out and you're coming in for this time forevermore. All right, so that is a uh, very common scripture, and I think sometimes there's a misunderstanding about that scripture. We read the first two uh, verses, and we're like, David says, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? And that is the natural response of a human being to look, as David said, I look to the hills. Where does my help come from? Stop. Next verse my help comes from the Lord. People, I've heard people actually preach this where they talk about, I look to the hills, where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. That's not how that verse works. That verse is completely separate from the next phrase, and we can't make that a run-on sentence. We have to make that, where does my help, I look to the hills, where does my help come from? Question mark, capital letter, my help comes from the Lord. And I think sometimes we tend to always look for help somewhere before we go to God. We tend to, oh man, I've got this going on in my life and I'm going to go and look for help somewhere. And then if it doesn't work out how I want, then I'm going to go to God. I'm going to go to him. I'm going to use him after I've exhausted every avenue of my own thinking, my own knowledge, my own wisdom, whatever I have. I, they, we try to exhaust everything. They're like, oh God, what are you doing? I, God, hit me with this because my I, my shoulder was bugging me. And I said, Sarah, will you rub it? And so I had to rub it and I would, you know, rotate. I'm like, I, I asked her again to rub it and she's like, fine. And I've, God said, why are you going to your wife? I'm like, she's just massage therapy. He goes, why did you not go to me? And I was like, ooh, I'm like, ow. Like, that's like a woodshed moment, you know, and God's like, uh, bad, you shouldn't have done that. Um, because I think sometimes we look at the easiest route for our lives and say, it's not sin, but it's really easy, and God would bless that. God doesn't doesn't give people the ability to do things without um, without His wisdom. You know, with Sarah, He has given her wisdom on how to um, you know work on muscles and stuff like that, and she's really good at that. She's been doing it for what twenty years now. Yeah, twenty years. Yeah, yeah, it's been twenty years. Twenty years. Okay, so we've solved this. Twenty years. Um, twenty. Thank you, Mercy. Yeah, yeah. She started when she was 10. Um, but I started to think about that. You know, in our health, what do we do? We turn to the easiest way to take care of something. We turn to the medicine cabinet and we go, oh, I'll take two Tylenol and I will just take this instead of dealing, instead of going to God. And, and don't get me wrong, taking Tylenol is not a sin. And God created medicine for us to be able to use. But what we need to do is we need to say, okay, is this something, like there's times at work where I'm busy at work, I have a headache, and I can't focus on talking with God 
And I'm like, God, I need, so I will take a Tylenol because my, I have a headache and I'm, my phone's going off the hook and I have to deal with things. And there's times where I can say, okay, if it's quiet, I can focus on saying, God, I just thank you for healing my body. I thank you for getting rid of this headache. And there's times where I can't and the headache goes away. And then there's other times where I'm like, I know I cannot focus on his word while trying to talk to somebody without quoting scripture to them when I quote the back, you know, I'll be like, and he took our, I'm sorry, that's not what I was supposed to say to you. I'm, I'm tech support, not the um, prayer line. Um, but I think sometimes we run to the medicine cabinet first. We run to whatever is easy first. Am I right? You guys, we all do that. It's just, it's kind of a an natural response to, I have a headache, I have, my foot hurts, my back hurts, whatever. And we go to those things. You know, we go to um, natural remedies, which God created. You know, I, I look at um, natural remedies, and they're great, but we can also use those as a hindrance before we go to God for healing. Natural remedies are created by God for those uses. We've been using them for thousands of years, but why do we go for those things before we go to God? I think sometimes we need to just, and there's been times where, like, even when my kids are sick, there's times where I go to my, uh, instead of going and saying, okay, we're just going to give them an aspirin. We just say, let's pray. And we've, we've watched God work. We've watched God heal them without having to go to the doctor, to the emergency room and say, you know what, this is bad. I remember one of our kids, I can't remember who it was, Layla, I think her wrist was all jacked up. And we're like, no, we can't. This wrist is like all funky. And we just prayed for it and it was fine. I mean, there was a little bit of pain, but it went away. But it was probably something that we would have had to go to the emergency room, go to the doctor, have it set, have all this stuff done. And we're like, why do we choose that first? Why do, when we have a physician, when we have a healer that we can go to first? You know, we, we want to call Dr. Google and find out what Dr. Google has to say about what's going on in our body. And it's like, mm. no, we have a master physician who created health. He created healing and we need to go to him first. You know, I think sometimes in our, in our, culture we run to google every time something looks funny or feels funny or doesn't oh man i feel weird i should look this up no the problem is is we create we create symptoms in our heads when we look at this stuff well do you have this yeah yep, i have this oh this may also be part of it too oh you know what i really think i have that too i really need to do that and there's times where i just like you know like i could go look this up what the, the pain when it happens every now and then, but I'm like, I'm not going to because what the enemy wants to do is he wants to trick you into thinking, oh, well, you're going to have to have this surgery and you're going to have to have this and you're going to have to do this and you're going to have to all, do all these things in order for it to be better. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to give him that. I'm not going to give him that foothold in my life because what happens when you give him that foothold, the fear and doubt comes in and say, well, you know, it could be this and I might have, well, it could be a rotator cuff. And I'm like, no, it's not going to be that because I refuse to allow the symptoms to be manifested in my mind. You know, you guys ever heard of the term hypochondriac? You guys know that. Somebody who thinks they're sick all the time and they don't have anything, but they think they're sick. You know, they, they have a sniffle and they're like, I have pneumonia. You know, and, um, and they, they self-diagnose everything and they know better than the doctor. And they're always like, the doctor said I have this, but I know it's this because I'm going to get a second opinion. And the doctor's like, you have a cold. And they're like, oh, no, it's got to be worse. And, they, and everything that comes up is because they've created that foundation in their, in their mind They've created that fortress in their mind, and they start to pile on more and more of what they believe is their problem, right? You understand that? But 
you know, I look through the Old Testament, and we, we can talk about Old Testament healing, we can talk about New Testament healing. We, talk, we look at New Testament healing, and it has a lot to deal with um, hands being laid on. We talk, it talks about, G, you look at Jesus, you look at the apostles, and then you look at um, the Old Testament, and a lot of it, there was times where they laid hands on people. You look at um, the children of Israel, they go out of Israel, and none of them was sick. It says none of them among them was sick, even the old. And that makes you wonder, okay, was everybody just in perfect health in a fallen world where disease is there? No, it wasn't. It's because God said, I'm going to put my healing on you. And he gave them health to walk out of Egypt, to walk into where they were going. And instead of calling the physician, we need to call the creator. I think sometimes we, we have to ask, the master physician for that healing. I think some, we, I think we wait to the last minute when things are eleven fifty nine and fifty nine seconds to call on God and say, "Oh God, I need your healing." After you know a year of dealing with this, and you instead of just calling on Him first. But here's the problem: is we get lazy. I get lazy. I'm like, "Oh yeah, God, just heal me," and it doesn't happen. And we just we, oh God, didn't do it, and we just move on with stuff. And I think it's it's it has to become a practice and a lifestyle of us calling on the name of God and saying, Lord, I thank you for my healing. You ask him for your healing. And I, there's two trains of thought. People are like, every morning when you get up, if you're sick, you ask God to be healed. Here's the problem with that. That doesn't work. You ask God one time. He, if he doesn't hear you the first time, you're praying to the wrong God. So here's the thing. Pray, ask for healing, and every morning when you get up, you say, thank you, Lord, that I am whole. Thank you, Lord, that I am healthy. Thank you. Even when the pain is there, even when sickness is there, you just start to declare what God has done. The Lord has made my body healthy. The Lord is, the, is my healer. He has made me whole. And I think if we continue to ask God, he's like, I've already made you whole. I've already made you healthy. We just have to, to obtain what God has given us. Healing is a gift. And how do you... You guys know that when you have a gift, if you've ever been to a birthday party, the gifts just don't unwrap themselves. They have to be taken out of the package and used for what they're worth or what they're for. So when if God says, I have given you a gift of healing, what does that mean? We have to unwrap that package. That means we have to understand that. We have to start to, to realize what God is doing and start to apply his word into our life for our bodies. And so... When we go to Google all the time, you ever been to Google and just typed in a health symptom? You ever watched a commercial on TV for some drug that will cure like your dry mouth, but you may die because you have taken a, a cure for dry mouth or a, a drug for dry mouth? It's probably a water pill. Um, and it gives you, I'm just kidding. Um, but all of these things that the world says, take this to feel better, has worse symptoms and worse side effects than the, the, the mild issue of like, oh, I have watery eyes every now and then. Well, this one may cause you to die instantly or whatever the, the side effects are on these drugs. But why in Exodus fifteen twenty six it says, for I am the Lord who heals you. It's not, it's not a uh, past tense, I have healed you and now everything past this moment. You know, there are a lot of people want to talk about how when Jesus the apostle died, healing died and the, the move of the Holy Spirit died. That's not true. Healing started from the moment God created man. And the moment he created man, 
he said he knew what was going to happen. He's like, I'm going to need to heal them. But what happens is the apostles, people want to say, well, that didn't happen. Well, I'm sorry that that's not true because I've watched people healed. I've wa- I've seen people come from death to life. And we have to just start to call on God and say, you are my healer, for I am the Lord who heals you. It's not I have healed you, now it doesn't work after after so many years. But we have to start to look at Jesus and say, you know what? Jesus was the one. He paid the price on the cross. In Isaiah 53, 4 through 5, it says, Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And punishment was brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. So think about this. If Jesus paid for healing, it says we were healed. It's a past tense. That means healing was completely paid for. And we have to now take that gift and unwrap that gift. It has to be something that we um, are an active participant in. It's not like, God, just heal me, and I don't want to have have any active participation in it. Healing is a, says, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So when we lay hands on the sick, it doesn't say they'll be healed instantly. It says they shall recover. And so that means that there's an there's an active part of healing. That means it's working and it's moving and it's growing in our lives and in the in whoever we lay hands on, or if it's us, someone else. But we also have to look at it and say, okay, what is our job when we pray for healing? Is to thank God for what He has done, that He has healed us, even when we're not seeing it. We rejoice and we we prophetically say that, say that we are healed. We're saying, I am healed. I don't see the the manifestation of it now, but I see what God is, has done, and I see what he will do, and I believe that he will do what he says he's going to do. Jeremiah thirty seventeen says, God says, I will restore your health and heal your wounds. That's pretty, uh, pretty straightforward. If we want to look at it, and he says, I'm going to heal your wounds and restore your health. That's, that's a pretty strong statement, but we also have to look at who's giving that statement. The one who created health, the one who created healing, he's the one saying, I'm going to do this for you. But we run to the alternative. We run to the easy way. We run to the NyQuil and the Dimatap and the, they sound like Dimatap or am I just dating myself with this? I don't know. It's that purple stuff that was really gross when we were kids and we all took Dimatap. But anyway, I don't even know if that's still around, but I, I just dated myself a little bit there. Um, but we run to the, the, the Tylenol and the Advil and, the, and, and everything quickly instead of saying, okay, God, what do you want from me? There's times where it's like, okay, do you need to take two Tylenol and call him in the morning or do you just need to call on his name and say, God, I thank you that you're healing my body. You know, I, we tend to run to the alternative instead of to the first source. If he is our source, we're like, oh, God is my source. He provides for me. He takes care of me. And then we run to something else. It's like, are we really focused on what he wants to do? Are we really believing what he's going to do? Believe what he said he's going to do? I mean, if it says that Jesus took our pain and our suffering, and by his wounds we are healed, I think we need to start to to walk that out. You know, I think we've all seen some form of healing in our lives, either in our lives, our family's lives, whatever it is, and I think we need to start to turn to that source. But we run to other things. We run to other ways of doing things. 
You know, we, it was with our finances. We run to other ways. You know, if something happens, you know, loss of job, a crisis, and it's like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And we go, okay, well, I can sell this. I can sell that. I can get rid of this. I can sell this. We can remortgage this. We can, we can go to get a loan. And it's like, okay, wait, we have to stop. We have to stop and listen. Because when we stop and listen, God will give us wisdom. Anybody ever lost a job? Yeah? Yeah. We've all lost jobs in one form or the other, whether we wanted to or not. Um, it could have just been the job was ending. It could have been we were fired, whatever it was. But there's times where financial crisis will happen, and it's going, and it will happen in every one of our lives. It may be big. It may be little. It may be, you know, catastrophic. But where do we run? You know, I was doing some research, and do you know how many people, when their washer or dryer goes out, go to a payday loan company? They go to a payday loan company, which has a 400% annual in interest rate. Think about that. 20% of, is 20% a week on that loan. You know, do we go to these places? Do we go to, you know, when, when that moment happens where it's like, oh my gosh, financial, that crisis happened, financially we're struggling or whatever it is, do we run to friends, family, uh, to the bank to get a loan? What do we do? You know, we, I think so many times we, as humans, run to the easiest way to get what we need quickest. And that's in our personal lives. It's, it's in our spiritual lives. It's in our emotional lives, too. You know, think about this. Abraham was told that he would have a son, and he would be the father of many nations. And then God gives him a son. And then in Genesis 22, he says, oh, by the way, you need to take your son, and I want you to go sacrifice him as an offering to me. And Abraham's like, I didn't know we did human sacrifice in this kind of thing. But you have to realize this, this is the firstborn. And God said, I want the first. So Abraham gets up there, and uh, he's getting ready to, and the angel says, stop. God has created and provided a way. And so they see the ram in the thicket, they slaughter it, put it on there as a sacrifice, and Abraham names it um, the place Jehovah Jireh or Yahweh Jireh. And that means that God provides. And I think we need to start to look in our everyday life God, you are my provider. You are my provider for health. You are my provider for my finances. You are the provider for everything that is in my life. And if we start to, to deviate from that, and, and I, I see it in. Christian life too. We have every TV evangelist selling something to us to make us better. Here, take this and, you know, eat it with your black bean burgers and your generator in your bunker while you wait for God to come back. And it's like, no, we need to have more people talking about the, the and the sad thing is, is they're talking about this and they believe in healing, but they're trying to sell you something to make you better to make you feel better. And it's like, why are we not teaching people how to call on the source? To call on God and say, this is my healer. He has provided for me, and I need to go to him first. And I'm not saying don't take care of yourselves. I'm saying eat well, exercise. I tried that yesterday. It did not work out well for me. Donna's going to attest to that. Um, yeah. 
I need to exercise more. Um, and, but God wants us to take care of ourselves. You know, take care of ourselves well, but why do we have every person on our, our Christian television telling us what we need to eat and what supplement we need to take when they know who the, the provider is and saying, let's pray with people. Let's pray with people. They need Jesus. They need healing. Why are we, why are we trying to sell something else? And why are we trying to sell Jesus to people? It's a free gift, freely given. You know, one of the name of God is El Shaddai, and it's the all-sufficient one. That means he's sufficient in every area of our lives. Instead of trying to figure out everything ourselves, take it to the Lord. When we're dealing with financial things, because financial things are a big stressor in our lives. How many of you guys know that, right? That's the number one cause of divorce besides, like, I don't know, I think, can't remember what it is, like, disagreement on kids or something like that. Um, but once you have them, you can't disagree on them. So um, we just found that easier. We just had kids, and we're like, yeah, we agree on two kids. And um, But instead of trying to figure it all ourselves, call on God. Call on God and say, you know what? This is who you are. You're sufficient for me. You will take care of me. You will provide for me. And I think when we start to, to fall back on God, we always, we always have this, our Dave Ramsey, you know, $3,000 emergency fund that we, we want to sit on. We always have to have that emergency fund. And we have our six months of, of, uh, of, of wages in the, that whole Dave Ramsey thing. Don't get me wrong. Financial responsibility is great. But most people living in a normal world can't have six months, don't have six months of their, their wages all the time. And some people do, some people don't. So it's great if you can. But why do we use that as our cushion instead of leaning back on God? When something happens, we, well, I got my $3,000, I'll be okay. Instead of falling back on the guy and say, God, what, what do you need me to do? What should I do? How do you need me to do this? Because God may give you a moment says, I need you to go do this. And at that if you do something that he's asking you to do, the return may be greater than what you've given. And if you allow him to show you what you need. I think in our culture, we're like, oh, I have to have this, I have to have this, and I have to have this. Um, do you guys know that I've never once had satellite dish or cable? Yes, I know it is shocking. Um, we can't get cable because we're on the boonies. And, um, and we don't have satellite TV, but I'm like, it doesn't make a difference. It doesn't matter. Because I would just watch National Geographic all day long, and my family would hate me because I'd be watching, you know, the, the Alaska Wilderness Survival Shows and, um, you know, Swamp People or something like that. And um, But Sarah and I made a decision that we're not going to have this because we find value in something else. And I'm not saying that if you do have that, you don't find value in other things. It's to each their own. For us, we're like, we don't need this because we know we'd be sitting eating Doritos and watching National Geographic all the time. Um, I would be eating Cool Ranch Doritos. But um, we, allow, we said, God, what do you want us to have? You have to start, when we have our finances, we have to start to look and say, it's not what I want, it's what God wants. We have to lay our finances before God and say, God, what do you need me to do with this? These are the bills I have. This is what I have to pay. God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do this? And we have to be smart with our money. We have to be wise with our money and allow God to direct us with what we're doing with our money. But instead, we try to create this financial 
cushion in this financial system for ourselves. That, And it's smart to have that. But when stuff doesn't work out and we're like, well, I don't have my financial cushion, what do I do now? It's called calling the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's calling on God and saying, I need your help. I need to know what you want to do. You know, um, I once had someone tell me that they were um, holding out for a management position. It sounded just like Cousin Eddie from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. They're like, yeah, I'm not really taking this job because I'm really waiting for a better job to come along. And he didn't have a job, and I was just thinking, I wanted to say, okay, Cousin Eddie. Um, But I didn't. And I said, you know what? At this point, you don't have a job. Any job is better than no job. Well, then how am I going to go find a job? No, you're going to work a job until a better job comes along. You're not going to go look for that job. And they're like, well, I don't understand that. Of course you don't understand it because you don't have a job. And it was like being responsible is not, well, I'm holding out for a management position. You know, and at that point, it was like you have to take whatever you can. If there is financial crisis in, in your family, you take whatever job you can get at that moment, at that time, because you know what it does? It puts food on the table and it keeps your heat going. But we want to wait. We're asking God for that management position, so we're going to hold out. And God's like, I gave you jobs to work. I gave you the ability to work. Put your hands to the plow and work. We're like, oh, I'm just holding out, God. Waiting for that management position you told me I'd be good at. Well, how do you know that management position <laughs> that you're waiting for is not 10 years down the road when your character grows into the talent you have? But God is sufficient, and he will provide for you. He will give you what you need when you need it. You guys want to talk about mental health for a moment? All right. We're going to, whether you like it or not. Um, <laughs> so we run to our finance, we run to our checkbook. You know, I'm going to go back one time. You know, what always, I'm going to make a statement here. This always weirded me out is every time I've talked to anybody and, and a lot of people I know, and they have a bad day or they lose their job, where do they go? Like a lot of people I, I've worked with in the past, I don't work with all Christians, just to let you know, I don't work with all Christians, and I'm not talking about Sarah either. Um, when they lose their job, they go to the bar. And I was like, why would you go to the bar and spend $5 on a, on a drink when you just lost your job? I'm like... How much money did you make that you can afford five dollars drink after you've lost your job? And it just blew, it blows my mind where people will turn when financial crisis happens. They turn to the easy way instead of God's way. Anyway, moving on. Sorry, just had to get that out. So, you know, I was that third song was really cool because it kind of ties into what I was talking about. Um, you guys ever had a fight with anybody? Yeah. So, you know, when when we go through um, mental health and emotional health, we really, what happens is this. We get hurt. How many of you guys have ever been hurt by your spouse? How many of you guys have a spouse? Lana, uh, uh, your hands down. Um, significant others, how many of you guys have been hurt by them? You get hurt by them. Whether you realize it or not, whether you're saying that or not, you've been hurt by them. And... One thing that Sarah and I both said 
that when we got married is we are never going to the uh, to the the parents when you do this. It is the most unhealthy thing that you can do. Oh, we had a fight. I'm going to go to the parents' house. Doesn't work that well. I'm telling you right now, um, if I went to my parents and she went to her parents, we'd be divorced right now. We would not be here right now. So, but we run to other people in times of trouble. We run. to people who may give us good advice and people who may give us really bad advice and may just tell us to go to the bar with them after after you get out of work. Um, but we seem to abandon the belief in the power of God to work in our lives. We've, we've, we've even in, in Christian circles, I feel like we talk more about mental health and how to deal with it instead of allowing God to help us deal with it. We want to talk about that. And, and don't get me wrong, we need to have some of this stuff because I think too long um, we have to find a balance. We have to find the balance of uh, finding good counselors and good ther- uh, therapists to, to walk through things with us. But we also have to, to have that balance of, of the God who is the healer in our lives. And what happens is, is we run to alcohol, drugs, distractions, anything to take our mind off what we have to deal with. You know, and for a lot of people, they lock trauma away, um, pain, you know, a place, you know, take, take those, take those hurt feelings, just shove them way deep down inside and they'll just go away. It doesn't work that way because eventually it rears its ugly head and we have to deal with that. And otherwise it will destroy relationships that we're in. But the thing is, is we push that deep down inside and we wonder why we struggle with anxiety, fear, trust issues, relationships, bitterness, depression. Instead, we need to talk to God. It, it talked to, in that song, it says, God is there. He's going to release you. He's going to heal you of that stuff. And we counselors are great. Don't get me wrong. I heard, I was listening to a Christian counselor one time. He said, counseling should not be a, um, should not be a continuous thing. It should be, you spend a certain amount of time with a counselor who gives you the ability to, to hear you, have the ability to, talk out your issues, give them the tools to walk out, give them the ability to um, stand on their own. But it should not be a continuous thing. If you've been in therapy for 10 years, we need to start to change some things. Get a new therapist. Yes, please. Because they're just, they're like, I've got a cash cow over here and they just keep feeding me money every week. And we need to start to look at the ultimate counselor, which is Jesus Christ. Don't get me wrong. I am not uh, bad-mouthing um, counselors, therapists, anything like that, because they are there and they have the gifts to sit and listen. Don't ask me to be your therapist. I'll be like, mm, no, I'm not a good therapist. I'm like, you'll get over it. It'll be fine. Just, yeah. Yeah. If you want someone to talk to, Sarah's great at listening. Sorry, I just threw you under the bus on that one. Um, but we need to allow God to listen. I think so many times we're like, we run to the, the easiest source, which is a counselor, a therapist, and we want them to solve our problems for us. We want them to take the pain away. We want them to heal our heart. They, we want them to do what God only can do. And we have to start to rely on him. You know, it doesn't say in the Bible that uh, it talks about good counsel. Good counsel does not heal your wounds. Good counsel does not take your pain pain away. Good counsel gives you 
the tools and lead you in the direction that will give you a healthy life. And for us as a church, we need to say, okay, if you need counseling, we can find a counselor for you. But we're going to start to also work on the relationship with God so he can start to work in your life. So counseling should not be years. It needs to be receive the tools, get it what's off our chest, and, and start to work out those issues that we have so we can continue on in our life. Jesus, or excuse me, David says in uh, Psalm 147.3, says he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Here's the thing. Is, counseling helps us get those tools to start to realize what is going on in our hearts, what is going on in our lives. And then at that point, as Christians, we need to start to call on Jesus. Say, you know, you were broken for us. You were beaten for us. By your stripes, we are healed. It says we were broken, healed up. Excuse me. He heals the broken heart and binds up our wounds. See, that's the thing is we want to hold on to our wounds because it's like, it's easier to hold on to the baggage we have and use it as a crutch than it is to get healed and to walk in freedom. A lot of times it is. I'm not saying every time, but it's so much easier. Well, this just happened to me, and I was this way, so this is the way I am. God did this for me. God did this for me. But I, this happened as a kid, and this is how, how my family was, so on. this is how I am. It doesn't work that way. We don't get in the uh, free pass on our behavior because something else bad happened to us. We need to start to, to understand this. Something bad may have happened to us. We, I'm sorry, but we have to start to say, you know, I'm going to own what I, is mine, and I'm going to start to deal with it, whether it's through therapy, whether it's through counseling, whatever it is, but deal with it and allow God to start to work in our lives. Think about this. Trauma can, can cause so much in our life. It causes fear, it causes anxiety, depression, whatever it is. But Psalm 34, 17 says, The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from their troubles. That's the great thing is no matter what has happened in our life, no matter what bad thing has happened, we can call on God and he will deliver us. He delivers us from everything. And I think we spend too much time focusing on how to get over it instead of get, uh, learning how to get over it. We're like, well, I just got to deal with this and I've got to deal with this. Allow God. I think sometimes we have to get on our face before God and just say, God, I can't deal with this on my own. I, uh, people can't help me. Words can't help me. Jesus is the only thing that can help. And if we start to call on God and say, you know what, this is who you are. You've promised me this. Your word promises this. We have to start to, to use that, unwrap that gift, because things, bad things will happen. You know, we can't protect ourselves forever. We can't protect our kids forever. Bad things are going to happen. We can do our best, but we have to start to start to use the gift that has been placed before us. When you look in Scripture, the gift before us, um, Right here in front of me, I have four scriptures on fear, four scriptures on depression, four scriptures on anxiety, and three scriptures on perfectionism. Did you know that perfectionism comes out of anxiety and hurt? People are like, oh, I'm just a perfectionist. No, you had, I didn't even realize this until I started reading more about this, and I was like, wow, that's really, really messed up. 
Like perfectionism is even the is some of the worst forms of trauma in our lives. It's all because it's about control and making sure that every little piece is lined up and it's symmetrical. Oh no, oh, I can't do it. I got to go and they throw it all away and start again. And it's like Sarah can. I'll have Sarah talk to you about that sometime. You know, flipping the light switch ten or twelve times when you go out to make sure it's off. You know, I'm like, you didn't turn it off ten times. You turned it on and off twelve times. You know. Like, so, but it's, it's allowing God to get down into the, the, our heart and say, I don't know how to deal with this, God. I need you to help me. Show me what to do to be healed. Because God is going to walk you through step by step. Here's the thing is, a man can't give you the right words and the right actions to become healed. God is the only one that can do that. And I, I think if we continue to push God to the side and start to use man's way of doing things, we're going to spend more time in agony, more time in depression, in anxiety, in pain, instead of calling on the name of Jesus and saying, Jesus, you healed me. Show me how to become healed. And it's, it's expressing what has happened in our lives to him so we can understand. Think about this. What do we do? We go and we lay on the couch, and a therapist, and they, they have that weird notebook that you don't know what they're writing in. And you don't know where that chart goes after you're done. And they're like, and how does that make you feel? Well, the way you're talking to me right now makes me want to punch you because you're, you know. And, um, but we spend, we'll spend an hour on the couch talking to somebody, but we won't spend 10 minutes talking to God. We won't spend an hour talking to him, but we'll go years of therapy. We'll go months and months and months. I remember, um, as a kid, watching my parents go to uh, couples therapy and couples, whatever it was, I don't even know. We would sit in the waiting room. As kids, we'd sit in the waiting room. Didn't work. Years of it didn't work. They never went to God for that. They never went to it. We went to a Christian therapist. Oh, it was, but it didn't help us. Because you never brought God into the center of what you were doing. It was always, we did this and they did this. And I, I, I remember... As a kid, you'd walk down to the bathroom and the door was there. You could hear and you, I could hear, well, they don't do this and they do this. And I'm like, you know what? I think about this now as an adult. I'm like, you never brought God into this. It was always this person does this and this person does this. And you need to try to do this and you need to try to do this. Well, where was Jesus in this Christian therapy? Where was God in this Christian counselor's office saying, this is what you need to do. You need to spend more time with God and less time thinking about your own wants and needs. Philippians 4, 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. We have to start to quit trying to understand everything and start to let God be the one who knows everything. I think we try to tell God too many things and not allow him to do what he's his job qualifications are you know we, we take our our Google diagnosis to God and say God this is what's wrong with me and I need to go to the doctor and we need to start to ask God what he wants us to do what he wants us to change 
know, with hurt and pain, we, well, God, this is, why'd you let this happen to me? God is not that person. We have to start to look at it. We are in a fallen world full of people who do not love God and are broken. We also live in a world full of people who do love God and are broken. And we will hurt each other. And we will, bad things will happen to us. But we have to start to go back to the source and say, God, this happened to me. And he can start to minister to you. He can start to walk you through. Start forgiveness. Start releasing you from the trauma. It's never going to go away, the, the understanding that this has happened. But there can be healing from what has happened in our lives. And it's as simple as starting to go to God. And sometimes God will say, yeah, you may, you may need to talk to somebody. You may need to go to a therapist and talk to them. But when we do that, we still have to bring God in there. It has to be, it can't be, well, I go to the therapist and then I talk to God for 10 minutes. It has to be, I talk to God more than I talk to my therapist. I talk to God more than I talk to the person that's in the counseling session. And that's what will change us. When we stop running to what, the easy way and we stop start running to the, the quick way of dealing with things and we start to say, you know, I'm going to take ownership of my own life and we're going to start to run to God and say, God, you own, you own everything. What do you want me to do? He owns our money. He owns our lives because we've given him our lives. When we are born again, it says, I, I give my life to you. So that means we're not, we don't have, we're not in charge. That means God is in charge. And I think sometimes we need to go and stop running to whatever else is easy and start go to God and say, hey, you're the one that's in charge of my life. What am I supposed to do with this? What am I supposed to do? And I think when we do that, I believe and I know when we do that, he gives us wisdom. There's times in our lives where, in our, in our life, where it's like, this situation, I don't know what we're going to do with it. But we go to God and God gives us the wisdom to deal with it. He gives us the understanding of what to do, when we need to do it. And, um, you know, there's was, there was times in our lives when we were young and we had nothing. And it's like, God, what do we do? He said, sell everything. And we sold everything. I mean, we literally sold everything. We sold everything but the, the two camp chairs that we had in our, in our um, living room. And we're like, we can't make it through right now. What do we do? And he said, sell everything. Because what, what is better, living and having heat and food or enjoying the, the TV and the stereo and the whatever game system you have, but you don't have electricity. <laughs> so it was about just running to him and saying, God, what do we do at this moment? He said, sell everything, get rid of everything. You don't need it right now. And we didn't. We were completely fine without it. We're like, oh my gosh, I can't listen to music. I said that in my best daughter version of of when they can't listen to music um, on the car stereo. And um, he told us, just get rid of everything. Sell whatever you need. I mean, we literally had our mattress on the floor, um, and we had a kitchen table and, and two camp chairs, and we're like, we can't afford anything else. And God said, well, get rid of everything else and pay what you need to pay and do what you need to do. And when we, we are obedient to him, he is a rewarder. And when we obey him, he's like, you are, if you were willing to sell that really crappy TV and that really crappy um, stereo system, he's like, I'm going to take care of you even better. And when we, when we give up our pain and we give up our anxiety and our depression and our 
whatever it is to God. He says, I'm going to replace that with something better. I'm going to take that away. I'm going to give you joy. I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to give you understanding. Because there's times where stuff happens. We're like, why did this not happen? God's like, I'm going to give you understanding of why this happened. But why did I give, when I give you understanding of this, I'm going to give you peace and joy to be able to go through it. So when he asks you to do something, just say yes. When you go through troubles in life, follow up back on him because he is there. He is our safety net. He is the one that catches us and he says, I will hold you up. I will prop you up. And you know what? I'm going to take care of you. I'll sustain you. Isaiah 41.10 says this. I'm going to close with this. It says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. That pretty much covers it all. No matter what we're going through, he is there. He will uphold us with his righteous hand. Let's pray.